What's up? Before we get to the podcast, as soon as I got finished recording, it was announced Raheem Morris is going to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, I do discuss some of the coaching carousel, some of the moves, Harbaugh to LA, who's going to go where. So that changes things. And it looks like Belichick, who knows, might not get a job. It looks that's probably the, the most likely scenario at this point that Belichick is not coaching next season, which I don't think any of us would have thought going into this offseason. So that does change things, but enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Should Have Bet More podcast presented by Go Boys. Coming up on the show today, Drew Dinsick of NBC Sports. We will go into the NFC title game, the AFC title game, props, everything in terms of those games and how to bet these. So excited to talk to Drew, and that's where we'll start. Championship Sunday, Just it's one of the best days of the year. Probably if you're just ranking individual days of the sports calendar, it's got to be in the top five where you get two games, it's they're usually two good games. Very rarely do you get blowouts in the title games. The Cinderellas are gone. There's the drama of, hey, you win, you're in the Super Bowl. Uh, I love Championship Sunday. Excited for these games. Should be a lot of fun. I'm surprised Baltimore is now up to four in most spots. Total 44 and a half. I know it's it's nothing you haven't heard. And you talk to anybody and say, hey, Mahomes getting points. And it's it's nothing profound. And you try to do these shows and come up with something somebody else hasn't said or heard of or try to be different, try to be unique. To me, uh, it's Mahomes getting points. I'm not going to just oversimplify. I'm not going to overthink it here. I know it's simple, but he's so good. He's the best player at the most important position. And I know Baltimore is good. Aaron Schatz, who we've had on, who has his DVOA metrics, has them as a historically good team. They're still beatable. This is still a team they lost to the Steelers. They were tied 10-10 at halftime with the Texans. Texans missed a field goal. Otherwise, they'd be winning in Baltimore. I know there's a punt return touchdown in there. But the Rams moved the ball up and down the field. This is not, you know, this is not the 2000 Ravens where you just can't move the ball against them. They're a very good defense. It's almost impossible to be a great defense with the way the rules are constructed now. I think Mahomes will move the ball. I think this will be a close game. Last team with the ball. If I have to think that hard about it, uh, and again, if this game is tied in the fourth quarter, I want Mahomes. So to me, it's a coin flip game. I absolutely uh, am going to take the points here with the Chiefs. So give me the Chiefs plus the four. Should be a fun game. And just think about Mahomes. I mean, imagine the moment Mahomes was drafted and the Chiefs traded up in that draft to get him at 10th. It was a surprise pick, a surprise trade up. They were a good team. They'd made the playoffs a bunch with Alex Smith. Imagine at that moment if somebody told you, hey, he's going to sit for a year and then he's going to start every season for the first six seasons and make the AFC title game or go farther in every single year. I mean, you would have needed, there wouldn't be a number high enough. It's just, it's incredible to think how good he's been. And it's amazing. This is the first time since 2017, Blake Bortles versus Tom Brady, that the AFC title game was not in Arrowhead. So that's the last time the Chiefs haven't hosted this game. They will be in it this week. That was Jags, Patriots, 2017. The Vikes played the Eagles and got rashed later in the day. So this has been Mahomes' game. We're starting to feel a little Brady, Belichick, Mahomes, Andy Reid synergy where you just you don't want to pick against them in these games. And I'm not going to. I'm going to take the points uh, while I can. I'm surprised this has gone to four. I know Baltimore on paper is the better team, but give me Mahomes plus the four. The other game's a tricky handicap because the most important player that's not a quarterback, you could say it's McCaffrey. Devo's right there. He's so good running, receiving. He's such a weapon, so dynamic. And we don't know if he's going to play. We're probably not going to know until he until right when the game starts, because even if he plays, who knows if he's hundred percent, is he a decoy? And if he doesn't play, they're not going to tell us he's out until right when the inactives get announced an hour, an hour and a half before the game. So that makes it difficult. That being said, I'd love to fade San Francisco. I was not impressed with the coach last week. What he did before the half was ridiculous. The offensive line, the defense, I think is completely overrated. 
I can't get there with this Lions defense. I just can't. They gave up almost eight yards per play to the Rams. They gave, us, gave up almost seven yards per play to Tampa. That's at home in Detroit in the Dome. Now you're going to put them on the road without the crowd noise, without the home cooking. You're going to put them out of their environment against a better offense. against a really good play call. Say what you want about Shanahan's game decisions. He's a great play caller. They still have a bunch of weapons. I think the Niners get in the 30s, and I, I do think they win this game. If I had to take it or lay it, I guess I would take it. I, I could see a backdoor for Detroit. Again, I just can't see a defense this bad getting to the Super Bowl. So I'll take both dogs. I wouldn't be shocked by any outcome. Again, it's football. So if you're minus one, minus two in turnovers, it doesn't matter how much better you are. I mean, turnovers are the most important stat in football, and turnovers are very unpredictable. So should be a lot of fun. I, I'm going to take both dogs here. I'll go San Francisco, KC. I'll go, I'll, I'll go with a rematch of the 2019 one. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if Baltimore won this game. I'd be surprised if Detroit won, but again, seven's a lot, and we're starting to see some seven and a halfs pop up. Keep this in mind, too. Eight is becoming more of a key number, so you think it's always been seven and three are the key numbers, 10, the, the round numbers, the, the sort of key numbers. Teams go for two a lot more now. Bulls went for two down 14. A lot of these teams go for two down 14, so if you're down 14 late and you go for two, it's either going to land on eight or land on six, so those sevens are not as key. It's still obviously a very key number, but not as key, and those eight, eight and a half, if it pops up, uh, those will be important. So keep an eye out for that. I think that number will move based on where we get the sense of what happens with Debo. If he starts to practice, if we get hints that he's going to play or at least try to play, you might see some eights pop up. If we if he gets ruled out, maybe it lands on a flat seven. I don't think they'll go under seven. They don't like to go, they don't like to ping pong between six and a half, seven, seven and a half, because people could lay the six and a half with San Francisco. Then it goes to seven, seven and a half. And then people could take the seven and a half with Detroit. And then it lands on seven and they lose all the bets. So they want to, when it's a key number, they don't want to ping pong back and forth. So I'm excited for it. Only three games left. We got to enjoy them. So we'll talk to Drew about those games coming up just quickly here on the coaches. Harbaugh goes to LA. It was interesting. January 8th, they play the title game against Washington, Michigan versus Washington. I think we all assumed, you know, win or lose, he's going to ride off into the sunset, especially if they win. But after that game, it would be a matter of time before Harbaugh is the LA coach, the Chargers coach, two or three days, and, and it would be done. It didn't happen until January 24th. So there started some uncertainty started to settle in where, hey, is this actually going to happen? Second interviews, Belichick's bouncing around, but it happens. I think it's good. He's won everywhere he's gone. Uh, I think it's good for the league to put Herbert with a guy who is a proven winner. I know. There's a back and forth between, oh, Herbert's really good and, you know, he doesn't have a good coach, doesn't have a good supporting system, which I think there's some truth to. And then there's people say, hey, Herbert's good, but he's overrated. People make excuses for him. I think there's a little truth to that. I think the truth is somewhere in between. But I think now you, you put him in a situation where I know the roster is not as good as people think. And they're in some cap situation where, uh, you, you know, you're going to have to shed salary here. But I think Harbaugh's going to win. He's won absolutely everywhere. University, San Diego, Stanford. He went to the Niners. Remember, the Niners were a disaster when he went there. Almost took him to the Super Bowl, went to the NFC title game, and went to overtime his first year. Went to another Super Bowl, went to another time. I mean, he's a, a proven winner, won at Michigan. Took him a little longer than some people might expect to, to actually you know, make a playoff, make a run for a title. But he won there. I, I can't see why he wouldn't win with the Chargers now. And, and somebody brought this up on Twitter. Would you rather go to the Chargers and have a, a good quarterback, but have to go up against the greatest quarterback in your division? Or would you rather go to somewhere like Atlanta where they don't have a quarterback, but you're not competing against the quarterback? It's a good it's a good question. It's an interesting question. I'd still rather have the quarterback. When you have the quarterback, you have a chance. When you don't have a quarterback, you basically have no chance. And you can say, oh, well, you find a quarterback, then you're set. Much easier said than done. I mean, you could be looking for a quarterback for a long time. It's not like Atlanta's going to have a high pick here. It's just, it's very hard. And you can say, oh, go sign Cousins. Cousins is a decent quarterback, but there's a 
a low ceiling, I think, with Cousins. He's been in the league long enough, but I think that's fair to say. So putting Herbert and Harbaugh together, I think, is good. Good for the league. It's fun. That's a dead franchise where they have no juice at those games. There's no home field advantage. Those games will be fun now. I, I think that team will win. Doesn't mean they're going to win a Super Bowl. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. It's hard to win a Super Bowl when you're in the same conference, same division as not just Mahomes, but you're in a, a conference with a lot of great quarterbacks. Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Allen, Rodgers, if the Jets get their stuff together. I mean, that's a very good conference. But Herbert and Harbaugh uh, is a combination I like. I'm, I'm happy it got it done. I don't know what's going on with these other coaches. I mean, we all assume it's Belichick to Atlanta. I guess that would still be my assumption. But like Rabel, Belichick, Ben Johnson, uh, a lot of these big-name guys, you're running out of spots. We saw Carolina went with Canales, the Bucks' offensive coordinator, which was a surprise. I don't think anybody rumored him. Pierce is going back to the Raiders. So some of these jobs are starting to dry up. Some of these, One of these big names, it's a game of musical chairs. There aren't enough coaches for the chairs, so – Boy, could Belichick actually sit out a year, I don't know, pick his spot, wait for like an Eagles job or a Bills job or one of these better jobs to pop up and then go coach them? I guess it's possible. I still think he'll go to Atlanta, but it is interesting where we all just assume these guys are all going to have jobs. And a lot of these big names, uh, there's just not enough jobs to go around. So coaching candidates are starting to, uh, to, to fill these jobs. Harbaugh to LA. We'll see what happens with Belichick, Vrabel, et cetera. But this is about the title games. This weekend is about the title games. After this, it's a long way until football, man. It's it's almost like the football season ends this Sunday because you have two weeks from now to the Super Bowl. It's only one game to talk about. You know, you don't it, – it's – the Super Bowl is different than the regular season because there's not multiple games on the day. It's its, its own separate entity. So got to enjoy championship Sunday while it lasts. After this, it, uh, it, it dries up pretty quickly. But look. Super Bowl goes a little later than it used to. It's it's on a later date than it used to because of the week 18. So now when the Super Bowl ends, it's right around Valentine's Day. Then you only have like three weeks till March Madness. And then once March Madness is here, it's it's baseball, it's warmer weather, and you know, the sports calendar starts to get a little brighter. So we will start to do some more things, you know, baseball, basketball uh, in the next couple of weeks. Not going to just do two weeks of Super Bowl coverage. That will get boring. You guys will get bored. I'll get bored. So uh, one thing that we won't get bored of is Drew Dinsick talking about these title games. That is next. This is the Shoulda Bet More podcasts. All right, we are back. Shoulda Bet More. Excited to talk NFC title game, AFC title game. He is from NBC Sports. Bet the Edge, the deep dive. You hear him all over Vison. I'm sure plenty of other places. It is Drew Dinsick. Drew, what's going on, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, nothing bad. Uh, it's been a, an outstanding NFL season and even better playoffs so far. I should have bet more. Well, um, it's been uh, it's been it's been good uh, and uh, very hopeful that uh, the the run I'm on doesn't come crashing down this week. But um, as always, I got sides in both games. I got a, a total that I'm really keen on. So I should have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. The should have bet more title is is a little bit tongue in cheek, but even somebody as seasoned as level headed as you, do you even say it when you're betting? Oh, should have should have bet more on that. Do you even are you oh, impervious yeah. to that? The one that uh, stands out the most for me these playoffs was uh, the Tampa Bay uh, versus uh, Philly game. Man, like the all of the aspect, you know, everything, like every little kind of nugget about that handicap that I had before the game, I was I ended up being like super relevant, and I was like. It, you know, things didn't even go great for Tampa in that game, you know, drop passes, yep. sacks, like it, it, they didn't even really, you know, blown coverage. Like they didn't even play a perfect game and yet they run away cover. So um, that was one on Monday night football. I remember being like, you know what? Wild card weekend was great, but boy, did I uh, leave money on the table when it came to that Tampa Bay game. 
Two games this weekend, a spot, a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. Nothing better than Championship Sunday. It's a great day. It gets a little depressing afterwards, but let's just get into these games. Ravens now laying four, which I'm surprised by most books here. Total 44 and a half. Uh, I'll let you take it wherever you, you want to go, but are you surprised we're seeing fours? Are you surprised with this line movement? Where do you think this closes? You know, uh, I've heard strong cases from people I trust and appreciate their opinions that this should be four and a half, five point line. So I'm not I'm entirely blown away that you've seen uh, this nudge in favor of Baltimore. Um, there have been, you know, analysts who have kind of uh, gone out of their way to point out the injuries to some of the role players for Kansas city mattering here. I'm, I'm not really there. Like I'm, I'm at three. I think this is going to be a competitive game. Uh, I think the fact that you have, um, you know, a Baltimore defense that, uh, you know, hasn't faced this level of quarterback in a long time is meaningful. And, you know, you, you, you want to compare this offense and what they're capable of to, uh, any offenses they've faced recently, I would pull up the, you know, the Rams game, uh, where they conceded 31 and really almost could have, should have lost that game. And I think there's a lot of parallels between the way Kansas city is, uh, you know, structured offensively, defensively and, and saying, and, uh, LA Rams. So, uh, this is, uh, going to be a test for Baltimore. Um, should they be favored? Obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is going to come down to uh score and answer sort of scenario where team with the ball last is probably your winner. It's the way Pat Mahomes in these competitive AFC games tends to play. Um, and, uh, you know, from a matchup standpoint, um, I don't really see anyone's on the can, you know, any likelihood that the Kansas city defense puts the Baltimore offense in a box here. Um, it, too many injuries up the spine there, uh, particularly, you know, the, the running efficiency for Baltimore being high, I think is expected. Um, and then, you know, Kansas city being able to attack on the boundaries, Kansas city being able to, uh, kind of find a mismatch where, you know, Kyle Hamilton now has to match up against, you know, one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Like this is. This is definitely, uh, you know, kind of an opportunity for Kansas City to uh, to look good off or, you know, to at least make the Baltimore defense look a little more mortal uh, than they have the last handful of weeks. So um, ultimately, my favorite way to play that game is the over. Uh, I like 44 and a half. Uh, it's still minus 104 uh, offshore. So that's that's a bettable number. Um, and I think, I'll, you know, just because of the potential for this to really get interesting with these two very, very good quarterbacks, uh, I'm probably going to get involved in some alt overs when we see those markets open. And if you had to take it or lay, it sounds like you would take it. Yeah. I, if I had uh, three and a half, yes, I might still <laughs> before and a half, three and a half, four, I, I, I might still before we get there. Um, I have some chiefs, uh, let's see plus four forty one. Uh, to win the AFC Ooh. in pocket from pre-playoffs. So that's kind of one of the reasons I'm a little shy getting involved in the side here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is anything over a field goal is basically, you know, you're counting on the Ravens to win by margin means this is a, a game state where, you know, their their defense is, is really holding the Chiefs down. So um, if I end up taking the points, I'm probably parlaying that with the over because they're basically the same bet. Yeah, I, I feel like when we do media, we all want to say something nobody else has said or thought of or come up with something really smart. It's like, you know what? Patrick Holmes is really fucking good. I'm getting over a field goal, and I'm just going to take the points, and that might be the dumbest thing ever. But you know what? I'm just going to go with it. That's that's where I'm at with this game. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, uh, and, and you mentioned, like, the Rams, this Baltimore team's good. I know Aaron Schatz, who you know I've had on, we, we all respect. He has this as a historically good Ravens team. I mean, they don't walk on water, though. They were 10-10 at half against the Texans. Fairbairn makes a kick. They're losing. They got a little tight. Their offense got a little bogged down. You mentioned the Rams moved the ball on them in, in a pouring rainstorm too. Rams moved the ball up and down the field. So 
they're a good team, but but they're vulnerable. Uh, should be a fun game. Any props before we move on to the the NFC game? Any props you'd be looking at this one? Haven't really uh, identified any okay. that I'm super super into, but uh, just in general, like if you are kind of in the same mindset as me that this is going to be a, a score and answer type of game set game state um and just in general the fact that uh you know that you have mark andrews reintegrated um lamar jackson over one and a half passing touchdowns is plus money which i don't understand um that's probably the favorite look on the board in terms of player props and i like both quarterbacks rushing total over i'm seeing lamar 63 and a half mahomes 27 and a half of course shop around i just i think both quarterbacks both running quarterbacks tend to run more in the playoffs so that that one last week we see it historically i just I could see both quarterbacks, especially Mahomes doesn't have a lot of weapons opening. He just can, you know, take off and run for five, six yards at a clip and they add up and you just have to sweat out the knee sometimes. But I, I look at the quarterback rushing props over. So. I, I like that you brought that up because uh, I've been staring at this and I want your opinion. I, I think that this could be more of a Lamar passing game just because you now have a full set of weapons. Uh, and, uh, you know, his he, he's probably not going to be rushing unless they are in sort of like a kind of desperation mode, I would guess. Um, maybe, you know, to put the game away. But Mahomes, on the other hand, I, I definitely am, am into his rushing prop. And there's only four teams left. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but Mahomes' most rushing yards this weekend is 50 to Ooh. 1. 50 to 1 feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that because uh, yeah, basically every other backfield is a split, right? Pacheco's a little banged up. Uh, Gus Edwards and Justin Hill are going to split. Montgomery and Gibbs are going to split. Uh, I guess McCaffrey is the one standout where he's going to get a very healthy workload there. But um, you know, they, there's there's a uh, there's a decent chance that uh, you know Plan A, B, and C is just get the ball in McCaffrey's hands in the receiving game as opposed to uh, you know just a straight up handoff. So. I don't know, man. Mahomes goes for what does he need? Like 65, 75 yards? Is 50 to 1 crazy? It's not crazy. I remember a couple years ago that crazy division round when they played the Bills. Remember, it was Chiefs Bills, the 13 second game. I believe he won it that weekend with some crazy, maybe 80 yards or something. Do you remember that? He had a big that rush. Sounds right. And that was uh, that was a weekend where there were more more games <laughs> like there's only right. two games yep right Good like you, there's only four teams like this isn't this sh this it shouldn't be that ridiculous uh um you know two two weeks ago he had two two run two rushes for 50 yards basically like that you know he he could he could rip one sure sure any any other thoughts on this game before we move on no no it's gonna be a fun one and uh you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited to see them finally play in the playoffs yeah, it's a good point. They've met. I haven't met since I think twenty twenty one. But there was a, a stretch where they played each other a lot, and Kansas City usually got the better of them, from what I remember. It went back and forth, but yeah, haven't met in the playoffs, which is strange because uh, you know these teams are always in the playoffs. It's weird. Baltimore hasn't hosted this game. Baltimore, it feels like they're in the the AFC title game every four or five years. It's always been on the road, though. I think five times since two thousand they've been in this game. The first time at Ooh, home. Wow. Yeah. That's did not realize that. All right, this one is tough for me because Debo is such a big part of this game. We're seeing some seven and a half. San Francisco laying seven and a half, total 51 and a half. I don't think we're going to know anything about Debo until really the game starts because let me let me lay it out this way. What, what's the most likely scenario? Debo plays and he's healthy. Debo doesn't play or somewhere in between where Debo plays, but he's not 100%. I think it's the third. Um, I'm with you. He's, I, I, I remember seeing uh, the Niners the last time they were in the NFC Championship game. 
uh, or excuse me, the last time, I guess they were in the NFC Championship game last year, so apologies. But uh, two years ago when they were in the NFC Championship game in LA, Niners lost that game and he sat on the bench and just did the full on Stefan Diggs, watch the confetti fly, like soak in all of like the, uh, you know, the intensity, you know, and uh, kind of watch that, watch his particular reaction to that loss. And you're like, like this guy's. If, if there's an even a, a modicum of a chance to play, like he's going to go. Um, so I, I would be very, very, very surprised if this particular injury keeps him out. Uh, that said, I think, you know, it, decoy and or light usage doesn't really change my opinion. The Niners are the side here. Um, or like the, um, just in general, the, um, you know, the, the secret, at least in my opinion, uh, if you can't manifest weather, the secret to keeping the Niners in a box is to get a pretty healthy rush, uh, with your front four only, right? Minimal blitzing, uh, just generate pressure with your front four. Um, and I was kind of lost. Like people looked at the Purdy performance last week and they were like, oh yeah, he, he, he was terrible because of the rain or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, that there's definitely an impact, but uh, the the Packers got like, you know, eight or nine pressures on him with just rushing their front floor. They only blitzed twice in that game and the, the other blitz was especially effective. So it was uh, it was pretty clear that like, that's what you want to do. Cleveland did that well to them. Um, and, uh, you know, just in general, you're going up against a Lions team that has been completely unable to get pressure via blitz, you know, without blitzing uh, all season long. Like that, they've kind of learned the hard way that uh, without blitzing, this front four can't really get it done. So, you know, good luck to them trying to be, you know, their, they're kind of, you know, who they want to be on defense and having it succeed. I think, Kurt, you know, Purdy and uh, Shanahan are going to have all the answers to that. And uh, I think the matchups against, um, you know, the second level players here are all huge plus advantage for the Niners. So, uh, you know, getting the ball in their hands seems likely. And then at that point, like if you have anywhere close to the level of tackling you have with the Lions last week, um, Niners are, you know, they're, they're going to be absolute yak merchants in this one. And uh, this game could get out of hand pretty quickly. So I, I like the Niners here, particularly them to kind of sustain offense. And then I'm gambling a little and saying that uh, the Niners defensive line is going to be able to generate some pressure here. Uh, the fact that they're at home, the fact that, you know, you're going to have a little bit of mis you know communication and home field advantage issues with the uh, uh, Lions offensive line. The fact that they're dealing with some injuries. Ragnow, of course, got banged up in that game last week. Jonah Jackson is not going to play. So a decent chance to get some interior pressure against Goff and then have the, uh, you know, Chase Young and Joey and uh, Nick Bosa clean it up. So, um, you know, hope if that doesn't manifest, if the Niners D line, you know, can't really get to Goff in this one, then I'm going to be sweating my seven almost certainly because the matchups for Monra St. Brown and, and Sam Laporta are pretty, pretty excellent. So, um, yeah, going to be holding my breath the first couple of, uh, couple of drives, seeing how, uh, effective those big boys in the trenches are going to be. And, uh, you know, if the Niners can come up with some chaotic plays, then maybe this is a little easier than it's, than it has to be. And you sound pro Niners for this game. You, you, you know, you gave all the reasons why, just so people know you were pro Packers last week and man, you covered, you should have won. They, they they really left one on the, out of the table. I know people say, oh, they're young. They'll be back. They got the bad spot with love. A couple drives fizzled out. They missed the kick. I mean, Green Bay absolutely had to be flying home, sick to their stomach. They should be playing this weekend. The 49ers should be home. Yeah. yeah I mean, we're, we, were a back, we were a bouncer two away from this game being Rams-Packers, honestly. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. It, any sort of combination. Yeah, like the Bucks hosting this game. It really yeah, it we were, wouldn't be crazy. Yeah, we were we were pretty close to uh, madness breaking. You always see, see that in the NCAA tournament where one bracket, sometimes multiple brackets, but sometimes it's that one bracket that breaks wide open and it's like 11 versus 6 in the Elite Eight. That was almost the NFC, man. Cowboys lost, 49ers could have, should have lost. So 
Um, it's interesting to hear on the 49ers. I can't get there with the seven, seven and a half. I just think their defense is overrated. I just, the reason I'm not betting Detroit, I mean, the 7.7 yards for play against the Rams, this, I think it was almost seven yards for play against the Bucks. It's just, I can't see that kind of Super Bowl in the, uh, that kind of defense in the Super Bowl. How do you handicap Campbell in here? I, I remember last year, week 18 against Green Bay. Remember they were eliminated. He went into that game like, you know, they like somebody was uh had a few drinks on a first date and they were just man fake punt hook and ladder just fast and loose do you think he's going to be sort of reckless in this game and introduce some sort of variance i would expect it yeah yeah um and you know the coaching advantage schematically is is uh niners but it's not not huge ben johnson's amazing in terms of in-game decision making coaching advantage is pretty clearly lions now there's plenty of games you can point to with the lions where it didn't really matter what Dan Campbell did in game, because if you can get that team in a negative game state, they start to play away from their strengths, right? Thanksgiving against the Packers, you saw it. Like, you know, you put them in a uh, in a position where they have to, you know, where they're uncomfortable uh, because of the, uh, you know, a two-score lead, and all of a sudden the Lions start to fall apart at the seams. Um, you know, the being aggressive all of a sudden isn't a huge difference from what any other team would be on fourth down. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of, like... From someone who laid it with the Niners, like my dream game is rewatching like Lions Ravens, where you know the the Lions could not uh, manifest offense early. The they had zero chance of stopping Lamar Jackson and company, particularly uh, you know given that uh, you know that they, they, they had so many different weapons and ways to attack you in the middle part of the you know central part of the field, which is exactly what the Niners have. So it's yeah, it, it this this could get uh, out of hand, I think, uh, but. Um, on the other side of the coin, if this is competitive, if the Niners pass rush isn't going, like, could the Lions win? Yeah, uh, absolutely they could. And like the the Dan Campbell being a, a little bit of a wild card and aggressive in general, you know, could uh, could be the difference. I would not would like I, like I'm not going to wake up on Monday and be like, how did the Lions win? Right. But uh, at the same time, like uh, I think there is a healthy amount of game state where the Niners, you know, make this uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, the, the path for the Lions win is pretty simple for any of these teams. If you get plus two in turnovers, you get plus one in turnovers, that that changes everything. You can just steal a couple possessions, a fumble, and, you know, fumble luck's such a big part of it. And look, at the end of the day, the ball is not even round. So anything can happen <laughs> as much as we uh, as much as much we study these games. Any props for this one? Uh, well, I mean, I think that, you know, that the very, very straightforward matchup advantage for the Niners are number one, Brandon Ayuk, uh, wide receiver one matchup against uh, the corners here who, uh, you know, had no hope uh, against Mike Evans. And, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk is a better Mike Evans from what I can tell you. Um, and, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, via the receiving is interesting to me because of what you saw with some of the tackling issues that the ends linebackers and, and, uh, and secondary had uh last week like just kind of envisioned in your head the Rashad White screen pass in the red zone that it was like well where, where, where are the lines are they just not electing to play defense on this down what happened um you know good luck uh against McCaffrey now who is a you know a more dynamic player so yeah definitely uh, those two for um for, as far as overlooks look decent to me for Niners props and then um you know for the uh Lions uh Goff's passing yards over is probably pretty decent look um, especially if we're kind of right and we're predicting a, a bit of a negative game state. I mean, the market's saying that there's going to be a negative game state here for the Lions, and you kind of look at the patterns we have from these, uh, you know, this regular season. I mean, these playoffs so far, 
Um, you know, 400 yards passing for Baker Mayfield. They were at a you know two score disadvantage for so much of that game. Uh, 400 yards passing for Dak Prescott. They were at a two score disadvantage in that game. Uh, that kind of spells to me that uh, something like most passing yards, Jared Goff is worth the sniff. Last couple ones before we get you out of here. The, these hypothetical Super Bowl lines: Raven, uh, 49ers would be one, minus one and a half over the Ravens. Ravens would be minus four and a half over the Lions. 49ers would be minus three and a half, minus three over the Chiefs. Chiefs would be minus three over the Lions. What would be a, a rematch? The first game of the season. Any of those that you think, hey, that's not right. That'll move in some direction. Yeah, I think they're all wrong. I kind of do too. <laughs> It's tough, man. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to have like a super strong opinion on the Super Bowl one way or the other, but if it's Chiefs Niners, I'm probably Chiefs. Uh, if it's Ravens Niners, I have some soul searching to do, but I'm probably going to be on the Niners. If it's uh, Ravens Lions, I'm fine. I'm fine land Ravens. Uh, and if it's Chiefs Lions, um, that's probably the most difficult handicap of all because of the way those puzzle pieces fit together with the strength of the Lions and the strength in the week, you know, the, some of the cracks into the Chiefs defense. So that one is the one that I got to take the use, you know, have to think about the, the hardest. But uh, any which ones really stand out to you? I just don't know that the the 49ers we laying, a, even it's a point and a half to the Ravens. I just think that would be a pick them. I, I was wondering this though. Would they leave it at one and a half knowing one and a half is a good teaser leg and there's nothing else to tease it with? And it, we know it's bad to tease totals as a way of luring people in to tease it with the total. Or is that not something that would cross their mind, you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, my guess is that the teaser liability for the Super Bowl is pro this probably the one week they really don't don't care. <laughs> would you, would you do that, though, if you're so a book? Would you hang up a one and a half to try to lure people to tease in the total? Yeah, I don't. I think if it if they if they're doing that, it's it has much more to do with trying to kind of balance. Um, right. Balance. It has more to do with balancing action with the with like uh, you know season long futures and stuff like that, right? Like if you're looking for if you're looking for people to to get involved in a market at this point, I think it's more about just balancing your overall book than it is um, you know really trying to bait, bait people because like. I don't think people are going to get baited uh, on Super Bowl's prop. You, know, you got a menu of 9,000 props <laughs> and, uh, right. uh, and you know, a lot of casual players that probably aren't even, I don't even know, you know, you get new players, unfamiliar players that may not even be really that into teasers anyway. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, one, one and a half, the outcome of these games is going to really swing those numbers in and of itself uh, beyond what the, you know, what the realistic uh, matchups would be. But if you give people a plus money line shot on the Ravens against the Niners in the Super Bowl, considering what happened one month ago, exactly. um, you're going to draw some action. Totally with you. Uh, last one before we go. NFL awards were a couple weeks away. We know most of them. They announced the finalists. I guess the ones in question, coach of the year, comeback player of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Am I missing one? What do you think? Do we think we get any upsets? Any general thoughts on who we think wins? I know the, who is it? The writers uh, vote came out. So that's sometimes telling any thoughts on the awards. Yeah, I think um, I'm sweating defensive player of the year, the hardest. He, I, I'm Miles Garrett ticket holder here at this point. He's probably going to um, win, right? I really freaking hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. That's the only one that's going to hurt one way or the other. Everything else I got is is pretty meh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just off the top of my head and from what I've read and from what I've heard back channel wise, we're looking at uh, Lamar MVP, CMC, OPOY, um, Garrett DPOY, Stroud, Rookie of the Year. Um, Will Anderson, I think, has taken a meaningful lead. He's probably 90% home for wow. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, and then uh, coach of the year seems like Demeco Ryan's has a meaningful lead over um, 
over Stefanski uh, and comeback player of the year. I think uh, Hamlin won it uh, about four months ago. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't think I disagree with any of them. I really don't. I think the ones that flipped, I think the fact that the Browns had the final week off and the Texans got a standalone game to win and then win the division, it's such a good story. They came from nowhere. I mean, remember, Stefanski was like a minus 1,000 with a couple weeks left, similar to how Sirianni was uh, huge odds to win <laughs> last year. I mean, it doesn't... Man, I, I don't know what the lesson is to take from going forward, but I, I guess the lesson is you can find some great numbers late in a lot of these markets still. Yeah, I know. I think the lessons that I've taken are, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And uh, like, don't get too invested in this stuff because it's just going to make you scream, right? Like Joel Embiid clinched MVP last year because PGA Tucker made like two threes at the end of that game to, to win their final game. <laughs> and so people were like, oh, well. Yeah, and I feel better about giving the Sixers an award so Joel Embiid gets MVP. Like, absolute absurd stuff like that happens that uh, ultimately swings these voters one way or the other. And it's, uh, yeah, you could lose your mind if you really kind of try to rationalize it, I think. Yeah, I mean, Dable was like 30 to 1 with a couple weeks left last year, really late in the season. Yeah. I yeah, think, but yeah, don't you, he throttled the Colts. And everybody was like, yep. oh, wow, look at the, my God, Giants. Like, what? <laughs> like, it was that, and you know what it uh, was too? They lost close against Minnesota and he played, was it Davis Webb the final week of the season and they lost to Philly, but it was a guy who basically retired after the game and he kept that game close. I was like, man, Dable can do it with anyone. I think winning that game close, plus it knocked <laughs> Philly down a peg. It's Again, it's ridiculous stuff, but, uh, so and again, weird. a lot of these writers come to this stuff. They're not thinking about it every day of the season. Like we are as betters. They're sure. just like, they get their ballot. All right. Who did this? All right. I, you know, I, the lasting memory, the, uh, the final impression, I think that takes hold and, and you get some surprising results. Yep. I, that's, that's exactly it. Drew, you're the man. Appreciate it. Where can, uh, where can everyone find your stuff? Uh, check out uh, at whale underscore capper on Twitter if you don't already follow. And uh, yeah, I mean, daily pods for NBC, Bet the Edge, uh, weekly pods with me and Andy doing uh, the deep dive. And, you know, you'd be happy to uh, solicit any feedback via my DMs. All right, man. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for coming on. All right. Best luck, man. All right. That will do it. Thank you to Drew Dinsick. Appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy the championship games. We will be back Monday to recap everything again next week. With no football, we'll do a little reaction Monday, but then we'll start to talk a little more basketball, baseball before you know it. So change things up a little bit. We'll see you guys Monday. Good luck with everything. See you then.